It's all the files of the whole park. It tells you everything. Sir, he's uploading the virus. Eagle one, the package is being delivered. Well, folks, whether you were hashtag resistance or MAGA, he's arrived. I, Joseph Robinette Biden Jr., do solemnly swear that I will faithfully execute that I will faithfully execute the office of President of the United States. Office of President of the United States. The 46th President of the United States, Joe Biden. Also, what's he going to do about Russian hackers, big tech, disinformation, Facebook, the NSA, and the CIA? All that and more on this week's episode with Motherboard EIC Jason Kebler and I, Ben Maku. This is Cyber. All right, so Jason, you're back on again, second week in a row. But you know, it's been a it's been a particularly political couple of weeks, even for the cyber realm. Am I am I the politics guy? I don't want to be the politics guy. I just I just like to be on the show. Thank you for having me back, <laughs> Mr. Ben. Good to be back. We're recording this in a new era. We have a new president. We uh we're recording this like an hour after the inauguration. So the first cyber of a of a new administration. The first cyber of a new administration, and I think it's also important to take a look at what, I guess, what are we facing in the tech cyber realm with this new administration? And obviously we have a few takes on this, but just want to ask you, since you're the, you know, you're the editor-in-chief of Motherboard, our tech platform, as, as we all know, what do, yeah. you, what, do you think, <laughs> so- <laughs> what do you think is going to, like, do you think Biden is going to be... Like, I mean, he's got a lot of, he's facing a lot of stuff. There's big, big questions about big tech and its relationship with, with this information, with whether or not they're right. too big. Like, wh- where do you think Biden is going to land on some of these issues? So I guess just very briefly, I, I mean, I was not editor-in-chief of Motherboard four years ago when Trump was inaugurated, but I was a, a staff writer here and I think I took over like early in his administration. And I think... Uh, going into the Trump administration, we were worried about a handful of different things. We were worried primarily about uh, like climate change um, and the fact that we thought uh, Trump would wipe a lot of the federal government's websites of different databases uh, that track climate data all over the, the world, um, as well as all the scientific information that that Trump collects. So uh, or that the government normally collects. And that is what happened. So there were like all of these uh, archivists who were hustling to protect and archive all of this data. And sort of like the second that Trump took charge, you saw the websites of like NOAA and the White House and NASA suddenly start to lose like all this satellite information. Um, four years later, and like that barely came up at all. Um, <laughs> and for good reason, it's like, we have, I mean, climate change is probably the biggest existential threat to our planet. It is the biggest existential threat to our planet and our uh, species that there is. But we know going into the Biden administration that it's going to be a more normal presidency. And by that, I mean, uh, the second that he was inaugurated, the whitehouse.gov website updated. And it's like a very normal website. It lists like policy positions. It, it lists climate change as an existential threat. It's like... I think we're going to see a return to uh, a government that believes scientists like you, you heard in the speech, um, you know, that 
the Biden administration is taking COVID seriously, that they're going to start uh, like having a mask mandate and take control of testing and uh, vaccine deployment and stuff like this. And so um, just to start off, I think it's like the Biden administration is going to trust in institutions a lot more. Uh, we've seen that already. And I think that that is going to uh, filter down through the entire administration, including when it comes to things that are more uh, like less sciencey and more cybery. So uh, we saw today that FCC Chairman Ajit Pai, who killed net neutrality, did a whole host of horrible things, is no longer the chairman of the FCC. A political fight is brewing about access to the internet. The new head of the FCC, the Federal Communications Commission, wants to clear away regulations about who controls and polices the flow of content on the web. Uh, he was a Verizon lobbyist. He was also appointed by Obama, but he was uh, elevated by Trump. Um, and I, I was reading earlier today, it's like Motherboard did 150 articles about bad shit that Ajit Pai did over the last four years. Um, the FCC can now start like rolling back some of that stuff. I would expect to see net neutrality come back in some way, shape, or form. Um, there was a lot of deregulation just like across everything. So I think uh, we'll probably start to see a little bit more regulation, and I think that that could extend to big tech. Uh, but I also think that these companies... like. Biden is not going to fundamentally change the status quo. I think he didn't campaign on radical change, although he has been like further to the left than uh, than Obama was. And I think in a lot of ways, he is the most liberal president we've ever had. But I don't think we're going to like suddenly see Section 230 uh, modified significantly or or we're going to I don't think we're going to see like big restrictions placed on Facebook and Google and Microsoft and Amazon like overnight. I think that uh, like the Biden administration, like a lot of the regulators and administration officials from the Obama campaign went to Silicon Valley during the, the during the Trump administration, and a lot of them worked for companies like Google, Facebook, Microsoft, Amazon, and now they're coming back into government. So I would expect this administration to be pretty. Uh, nice to big tech, but I guess we'll see. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing, okay? So if I were to look into my crystal ball, I think the company that I would, if I were them, I'd be the most afraid is Facebook. And that's because I think the public tide against it is, is really turned. Every week brings new headlines about privacy violations, election interference, or mental health concerns. I haven't been at the company in over a decade, but I feel a sense of responsibility to account for the damage done. Americans have the power to right the ship through government action. We need new regulations. It's time to break up Facebook. I mean, I think there is some, some mm -hmm. serious questions about its size and all, the many different apps that it's gone out and owned. Now, the one that I think is secretly, probably, I mean, not secretly, is, is the most influential and I think will only become more powerful under the Biden administration is Amazon. Because as you and I both know, Amazon also, its cloud services are like one of their biggest clients is the U.S. government. <laughs> right. So how, how do you start cracking down on Amazon when it's responsible for some of the most important infrastructure or digital infrastructure that your actual, you know, the actual government is using day to day? And, and by the way, that includes intelligence agencies. 
are working with Amazon. Right, and Amazon just became so much more powerful during the pandemic because absolutely you know, people stopped going to stores, and it's like you know Bezos's net worth like went up, like shot up ridiculous amounts during the pandemic, and I don't see. I don't see a clean and easy way to regulate Amazon. I mean, you could imagine like an antitrust investigation against Amazon. We already have the FTC looking into one on Facebook. And it's like those started under the Trump administration. And I think that those will likely continue. But it's hard. It's hard for me to see any like major uh, backlash to the to big tech. And I say that for a couple of reasons. I think one, like Biden has inherited a disaster like he you know covid is front and center and it's going to be front and center for the next six months to a year um and i think that the administration will use a lot of its uh like political goodwill to do stimulus and do things that have more to do with like covid than they do um with big tech and i think one one area where you may see some some shifting is on uh, gig work. Uh, Biden campaigned and mentioned that he wanted to make Uber drivers and gig workers employees, which is sort of the position of motherboard that we've taken for a long time. Um, but I, I think that it's going to be difficult. I don't know if it's going to be difficult for him to get it through. I just don't know that that promise was real. Um, and that's something that we're going to continue to be following like is is Biden going to make good on his promise to push for full employee status of uh, gig workers, or are they going to try this third way that um, that uh, California did with AB five and Prop twelve? Sorry, everyone, Prop uh, Prop twelve or thirteen or twenty one. I am blanking on which one it was, but basically the one that Uber and Lyft and uh, DoorDash pushed for that basically made a third category of employees uh, where they sort of get healthcare benefits, but at the same time, their like pay is lowered and and it's just like not a good situation. So I think uh, the labor stuff is going to be really interesting to look at. The climate stuff is obviously going to be front and center for the science focused people on our team. And then the big tech regulation is going to be big for us. I think Something that you've been more across is like, what is going to happen with the actual infrastructure of the federal government? We just had this big solar winds hack. So yes, uh, what like what is Biden going to do about that? Um, I think we'll probably see sanctions on Russia, maybe, but I don't know how much uh, like further there is to go there. And at the same time, uh, in the stimulus bill for. Uh, COVID relief, I believe there's money to like rebuild the federal government's infrastructure. And I'm just not sure like what can be done at this point and what sort of timeline that'll happen on. But what's your take there? Well, I mean, look, like everything's going to take a backseat to COVID because any of these massive plans are going to cost billions of dollars. Because let's just say, let's just look at this and think, you know, the uh, making making the vaccine program a hell of a lot more rapid than it is already that's going to probably involve like hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars into these, these bigger companies like Moderna and Pfizer. So I, I think when it comes to government infrastructure, that's going to take a backseat. Uh, and I, I think if it, if it comes out of any budget, it'll come out of a DOD budget and that DOD budget is going right. to go straight to, you know, Pentagon infrastructure. So I think like, well, sorry, sorry to cut you off. It's like the, the COVID relief bill that he's proposed has $9 billion in it for 
what they call technology modernization within the federal government, like federal IT infrastructure. So it's like that is part of what he wants to pass from the get go. It's just a matter of like actually implementing that. Like, when will that happen? How will that happen? Is that enough? But but like, when will that happen and how that happen when you have to also pay for all this other stuff? Right. And I think that, right. that and that's my point is I think it's going to a lot of that's going to take a backseat because, you know, they're going to be sending two thousand dollars out to every single American. <laughs> like, right. I, like how they're going to then turn around and 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 change the digital infrastructure of the federal government at the same time on top of like putting more money into these, into the vaccine program itself. I mean, I don't know. Like I, I, I'm very skeptical personally. Right. I think, um, I think the pandemic has also exposed just how outdated a lot of this infrastructure is in a way that even like solar winds hack, obviously like terrible and, (laughs) and sort of showed um, a huge weakness from the federal government. But then you had like, unemployment websites crashing all the time. Like you have all these states who are completely unable to roll out any sort of like vaccine scheduling infrastructure in a way that makes sense, that, that works, that's coherent. So it's like, I think the, the datedness of the U S government for like tech infrastructure is very obvious over the last few months. Oh, it's, it's, Um, it's, it's, it's tremendously obvious. And I think this, this is something that's a, that's a problem with a lot of governments, but I guess like what, where could, where and when can this happen? And when is it going to be urgent? And I think like, I think one of the things facing the Biden government, they're going to be, they're going to have to prioritize a lot of these issues. And you know, as well as I do, government doesn't do well with going after several big issues at once. And I think the big one is going to be COVID and COVID relief. And I don't know if government infrastructure is going to fall into that right away. Um, Right. Because I I think just the money's not there. Right. Uh, I think the the other thing I wanted to talk about with you, and and this is, um, this is more up your alley as well, but it's like, you know, Biden is hiring obviously like new heads of CIA, Mm -hmm. new heads, head of direct, uh, director of intelligence, et cetera, et cetera. And this morning, President-elect Joe Biden announced his plan to nominate William J. Burns, a former career diplomat to run the CIA. Is it too early to to talk about that sort of stuff, or is it just the the fact that like Biden is not going to be at war with the intelligence apparatus, and thus like probably the government will function more smoothly because he's not going to be giving press conferences where he talks about the deep state and and the FBI like undermining him. So I, I this is like this is something I've been looking into for the last little while. One thing I definitely know from my own sources is that people in intelligence we're not very happy with you know the last four years i think that's pretty clear but i think going forward it really depends on you know i remember being told by one one source in signals intelligence this is probably five years now they said that if you want to know what we're doing you should look at what the president says in his initial mandate so if if the first two bullet points are about North Korea and Iran, you can guess that whatever we do, we're pointing it at that. So it'll be interesting to see what he says as his top priority or his top national security priorities are. I mean, if he says it's domestic extremism, that'd be interesting. But I think one of the bigger things for Biden, and it's something we know, is that he was the vice president of Obama. And we know that he's someone who favors light footprint in foreign 
in foreign foreign war zones. So he doesn't he's not someone that's going to or at least is unlikely to start a, a large scale war, but he is someone who's pro intervention in a covert way. So I think when you look at that, that means organizations like the CIA and NSA are going to be, I think, pretty active under Biden because, you know, if you look at something like Stuxnet, this happened under the Obama administration that was taking out a nuclear power plant in Iran using using malware. And I think, you know, the fact that cyber cybercom has been, you know, empowered during the Trump administration to be more offensive and and so is the NSA, that I think we can start seeing some of that stuff being, I mean, maybe even more so than than under Trump that you know covert operations are going to be something that that this this that this administration is really interested. On the other hand, you also have Blinken who's the state department head and Blinken is really well known for being pro intervention. You know, he's someone who likes intervention. He he headed up the Libya. You know, he was he was a big proponent of the operation in Libya that ultimately helped unseat Muammar Gaddafi and set off uh, what is a still raging civil war in that country. So that means that all the cyber entities that we talk about pretty regularly on the show, I think they're going to be pretty active. I think they're going to be possibly even more active than they were under Trump because Trump wasn't, you know, he wasn't an interventionist in that way. So I think, you know, it's going to be an interesting few, few weeks. Also right before he left office, Trump reinstated or, or hired the NSA's general counsel. And it's, you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's somebody who worked for Devin Nunes. And that's already going to be a bit of a battle. I think, I think ultimately the person's just going to get moved because you can't necessarily fire someone in the public service like you can, say, in, in, uh, in the private sector. So there's going to be some little, little battles in the, in the national, security, national security world that, that, that Biden's going to have to wrestle with. And also the new CIA head, is someone who's got a lot of State Department experience, which means he's going to be working in lockstep with Blinken, I think. And and and, it, and like I said, that I think that spells more more you know covert operation, more interventionism in a quiet way, because again, like Biden, mm-hmm. Biden comes from the drone war administration, the robot killers. So I think I think yeah, I mean it'll be interesting to see what happens with the drone uh, situation as well. It's like Trump. We never talked about drone strikes under Trump, but Trump continued to strike oh, yeah. using drones. Big time. So <laughs> big yeah. time. And it, it'll, uh, it'll be it'll be interesting to see if Biden picks up where you know Obama left off. Well, hackers are gonna keep hacking, uh, both government and and otherwise. So we'll be here during the uh the Biden administration. And sorry that we couldn't uh go a little bit deeper into these things, but I think we just wanted to signpost like what we're gonna be paying attention to. <laughs> Um, I have to hop into covering more inauguration stuff. So so check out uh, Motherboard if you're listening to this. And otherwise, uh, we will be back next week. Sorry for the the punctuated uh, appearance, Ben, but uh, I must go. I must I must go now. I'm go currently cover some Nazis as well. Yeah, I'm I'm <laughs> I'm I'm just steps away from Telegram. <laughs> All right. All right. Sounds good. Bye. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. 
And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. So, Lorenzo, um, big news today. I think it's the only news anyone's going to be talking about today, so we'll just quickly say it. We're recording this in the aftermath of Lionel Messi getting a red card for the first time in the history of his career, and he sucks shit, and Cristiano Ronaldo's probably better. Anyway, so let's get to the first story. So... This guy is, we mentioned it really briefly on in the interview I just had with Jason, but Ajit Pai is pretty much one of the most hated figures, I think, in like cybersecurity circles, to be honest with you. Yeah, tech policy, like, really tech circles, probably, not just cybersecurity. Yeah, I actually don't know if I've ever heard anyone, and I've talked to Republicans in cybersecurity who actually like this guy. I don't think anyone likes him. Yeah, he was, uh, he's been for years, you know, for four years, really kind of a folk folk anti-hero, like a folk villain, really, on the internet. Everyone seems to hate him. He didn't do anything to make himself more likable. You know, you may remember him from his uh, very dumb photo, drinking from a giant mug when um, he killed net neutrality. Um, he's also hated because he was a Verizon lawyer and he took over the FTC uh, sorry, the, yeah, the FTC being, yeah, being a, you know, an insider, an industry insider, which is all kind of fucked up and, um, you know, has all uh, conflict of interest problems. And uh, yeah, uh, Matthew Gold did a really good post uh, with a very long list of everything that Ajit Pai did wrong, which, you know, I didn't even remember some of these. It's like, it's amazing, you know, net neutrality, obviously. He approved the T-Mobile yeah. Sprint merger, which is probably not going to be very good for consumers. I mean, I'm just going randomly now. He made up a DDoS attack, uh, claiming that that shut down the FCC net neutrality comment system. Um, I mean, yeah, he's been one of the worst people in the Trump administration. Well, maybe that's not fair, but he's definitely not been one of the best. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I mean, we still have Betsy DeVos, whose brother is a, a Bond villain, who mercenary war crimes abetting lunatic who had too much power over. Yeah, I mean, let, <laughs> over, let me correct myself. Over the administration. But I will say this. I, I think I'm going to let this definitely not AP style guide appropriate headline that's been uh, splashed upon this particular article. And just to preface this, this is neither Lorenzo or myself saying this. But this is the headline that was put out by our employer. Gigantic asshole, Ajit Pai, is officially gone. Good riddance, bracket, time of your life. <laughs> Close brackets. <laughs> Cue the song, please. Yeah, uh, I really definitely want to give props to uh, Galt and uh, our editors for approving this, uh, for going for this. Uh, headline clearly not a friend yes. of motherboard uh, this Ajit Pai 
Agitpie, not a friend of Motherboard, probably not a friend of the show, I'm going to say. Probably would never come on the show. Yeah, but let us know. We're, we'll be, I think we'd be happy to have you. <laughs> if you're listening, uh, reach out to us, especially now that you're unemployed. Yeah. I'm sure you'll have a lot of free yeah, time exactly. on your hands. All right, so now we got we, we go to another vaunted cyber type who circled the Trump MAGA crowd that is very disliked in the cybersecurity world. Probably probably more liked than Ajit Pai just because he is he has been an employer of many, many folk in, in, in those circles. But Peter Thiel, Peter Thiel, I know I've caught I've caught a bit of shit for not saying his last name properly, especially since my last name is funky to people. But Peter Thiel, he uh, he got Trump to pardon this Uber engineer that was sentenced to prison. Yeah, as uh, many of our listeners will, know, listeners will know, yesterday, well, really like la- late last night, you know, sort of like last minute, like uh, someone who didn't really do his homework, uh, Trump uh, put out like hundred and some uh, pardons. And among them- Including Lil Wayne. Including Lil Wayne. Yeah, inclu- yeah including uh, Lil Wayne. And among them, uh, there was Anthony Lewandowski, who was a former Google engineer who then went to Uber and got ensnared in the whole Google versus Uber uh, trade trade secrets war. He was the one that stole some patents, patents and like uh, basically Google secrets and uh, gave them to Uber for their self-driving um, startup that they bought uh, called Waymo. Uh, he was sentenced to 18 months this year uh, in prison, and he hasn't even started serving them because of COVID-19. So this means that he got out scot-free, thanks to Peter Thiel, and and really a long list of kind of like <laughs> tech villains. You know, this is the second story we're doing today, and it's uh, <laughs> another bunch of really bad people, um, you know, including P- Peter Thiel, who, as we all know, you know, basically killed Gawker because he was mad about a blog that they did a... Uh, few years before um he's a very very prominent uh, donald trump uh, supporter um palmer lucky also also is involved in this story white well very well known white supremacist and racist uh so yeah if you read this story it's um it's a great way to remind remind yourself of all the people that today we're really getting rid of or at least you know yeah they don't have the same influence anymore but noticeably and notably, Julian Assange and Edward Snowden, two people that many wanted to be uh, exonerated, pardoned, weren't. Yeah, I mean, you have to feel bad for them because, they, you know, there's, again, like Trump pardoned like a hundred and some people yesterday. He pardoned a bunch of, I think, 20 something a few weeks ago. And, you know, a lot of people thought that uh, both Snowden and Assange would get squeezed in. Uh, but for some reason, they weren't. I saw yesterday, I have to admit that I don't remember who reported this, but there was a rumor that uh, Trump was worried that pardoning Assange or Snowden would um, push some senators to vote for impeachment. I don't know. You know, I haven't done any reporting on this. Yeah. So the 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 theory was that if he if he pushed for it, McConnell uh, in particular, the will not no longer senator yeah, leader. Yeah, I have to say Republicans. I'm a little skeptical of this theory. Like McConnell, I'm not. You know, I think I think here's the thing. I think Trump's he's definitely walking a a tightrope on this with McConnell. I think anything McConnell's just looking for a reason to to do this. Yeah, but McConnell has already came out yesterday saying um, that that Trump incited the riots. So 
I don't know. It's yeah, pretty but, pissed but to be to be fair, to be fair here, as per Maggie Haberman, the New York Times reporter, who's really probably broken the most information on on Trump in this entire four years, uh, she was she reported that Trump was had made that that really conciliatory video uh, the night of the impeachment vote in the in Congress, and it was done with McConnell in mind to to basically reinforce to McConnell that he won who wouldn't be trying anymore anymore bullshit uh and that's sort of remained that thinking has not has not left trump because i think trump is particularly nervous that it is it is gonna happen so i i wouldn't be surprised i would be you know i'd be more interested to see if i mean what what it's gonna look like for biden Mm -hmm. vis-a-vis snowden i i tend to think he might take a harder line on snowden i don't think he's gonna ask for extradition like that i mean i think they already have but um I think the big one's going to be Assange. I think Biden's going right along with with getting Assange to to the U.S. if he can, because you know, not only did Obama not like Assange too much, Biden in particular is a bit of a hawk like that for the IC, and I think I think he's going to try to get Assange over here. Yeah, I mean, if Assange had any chances of being pardoned by Trump, I think it's fair to say that that was his last chance to be pardoned by a president. I would be very surprised. Probably, yeah. Very surprised mm-hmm. if Biden changes uh, course on that. We'll see about I would be Snowden, but surprised as well. We'll see about Snowden, but I, I also, I wouldn't bet, I wouldn't put money on Biden partnering Snowden either. I do too. I think Snowden, like for many reasons, will get a look by if it's not Biden when he's on the way out or whoever. I think, I think he'll definitely get a, he'll get. This won't be the last time he's in the. He's in the old pardon conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I think my favorite part right. of the. My favorite part of this pardon discussion was Kim.com. I don't know if you saw it. Oh, yeah, I saw <laughs> he had that. A, a little hilarious tweet. Hilarious because there's no way it's true. He said that he claimed that there were senior people in the Twitter administration dangling a pardon in front of him. And he told them that he wasn't interested. <laughs> it's like, okay, sure. And they said that he wasn't interested unless Assange and Stone got pardoned too. So... Yeah. Okay, Kim.com is just like one of the craziest figures. Yeah, Kim, maybe go In, back to playing video games and stop yeah, bullshitting man. us on Twitter because this is definitely not true. But thank you for the tweet. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. Thank you for your service, Kim.com. <laughs> um, okay, final question. This is for you, Lorenzo. Mm-hmm. It's the, the final cipher point we're going to hit is a question for Lorenzo. So you kind of, you ushered in, you were part of, the reporters that really ushered in the Donald Trump cyber era in that you, you reported on Gucci for 2.0. You were, you make contacts. You actually had a rest in peace, wherever it is. I'm, I'm sure it's someone who's in a gulag. Um, and you know, that was for something though. Now it's probably four and a half years. So I think that was the summer, mm-hmm. but the summer of 2016, but, you know, now we're coming to the end of the Trump presidency in the cyber. And what surprised you? What 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 was exactly as predicted? And did you enjoy yourself? <laughs> well, starting from the last one, I did not really enjoy myself in general because the Trump administration was, uh, you know, garbage, trash, fire. Um and I think in terms of cyber, actually, I was trying to think about it uh, earlier. Like, there wasn't really that much government cyber news in many ways. Like, 
I guess what I'm trying to say is that Trump never really seemed too interested in cybersecurity. Um, on one hand, he was also, you know, trying very hard to never blame Russia for anything, really, especially related to hacking, probably because, you know, in his mind, he thought that if he ever admitted that Russia does hacking, which they do, obviously, um, he would like go against his um, his uh, claim that he won the election without any help from, from Putin. Um, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to... I'm looking forward to a Biden administration, which seems uh, already way more interested in uh, tackling cybersecurity issues. Um, they have announced already a bunch of uh, appointments, like um, um, like a former NSA, the former TAO director, who's like now back at NSA, and Newberger. Yeah, right. The head of the cybersecurity operations. Yeah, his there, name is now like escape, uh, Rob Joyce. Yeah, so Rob Joyce is Rob back Joyce, at NSA. Yeah, exactly. Everyone yeah. uh, seems to really like him. Um, he's replacing Anne Newberg, who was at NSA and now she's going to be at the White House. So it's, I think it's going to be more, I think it's going to be an administration that does more in that sense. And I think it's also going to be interesting to see whether Biden, um, you know, his administration and his intelligence community and his, uh, the NSA and CIA get more aggressive or less aggressive, uh, in terms of offensive capabilities, you know, let's uh, not forget that Stuxnet, Stuxnet was done during the Obama administration. So it's exactly that's exactly what I said on the the interview with uh, with Jason. I think yes, I think in I think it's you know Biden is pro intervention, but but covert intervention, right? It's like a classic Democratic president. Same thing as Obama. I mean, it's like low footprint, high high risk, high reward kind of bullshit. And I think. I think we're in store for some of that, especially when you look at the State Department head, Blinken. I think he's somebody else who's pro-intervention. So it's going to be interesting, you know, d does covert intervention increase writ large? And does, like, our our footprint decrease? Like, do we actually finally pull out of Afghanistan, et cetera? Mm. And also, is Biden going to do anything against Russia in the cyber cyber world? Um, I think it's there's there's been reporting in the last four years that you know intelligence com the intelligence community did never stop to work against Russia, but perhaps there will be more public pub stuff that leaks out at least. Agreed. I mean, honestly, you know what the big one on that is going to be? What happens with? I mean, Biden is first his first big geopolitical test is going to be Putin because mm. there's a major weapons uh, armament treaty that's coming to an end for the first time since like the Clinton or Reagan era uh, in the next two weeks. And that's going to be a major bargaining chip between Putin and, and, and Biden. But then also the question of Ukraine is going to come up and Ukraine's kind of been in stasis. And if Biden takes a hard line, you might see that, that conflict spark up. And if that happens, then, then that means everything else surrounding it will spark up, including the cyber. Mm. So I think it's going to be an interesting couple months to see exactly how that relationship unfolds. Yeah, for sure. Looking forward to, having more cybersecurity stories and less less insane stuff coming out of the White House. You know, I think it could be just as insane, but we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> maybe not we'll like see. on, it's not coming, it's not happening on Twitter. <laughs> and like, he won't just like rogue, rogue drone strike, like a, like the leader, the, not the leader, but the top military figure in Iran without anyone seeing it coming. Like that won't happen. Yeah but we'll see otherwise. <laughs>
We'll see. All right. Peace, Lozo. Thanks, Ben. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.